Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Everything USC podcast on Believe, the place to find a sports or pop culture show for passionate fan bases across multiple platforms. This is Believe. Every team, every topic, everywhere. I'm your host, Nara Wang, and my guest for episode 86 is the publisher of the Devil's Digest website covering Arizona State Athletics, Hode Rabino. Hode, great to have you join me again this season on the Everything USC podcast. Not a problem, Nara. Thanks for having me, uh, I guess, for the uh, very last time. It could very well be. And of course, <laughs> if you enjoy the show, please subscribe, download, and rate it wherever you get your favorite podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, TuneIn, and so many more. Or you can go right to the website, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media, at Believe Network. For me, I'm on X, a.k.a. the artist formerly known as Twitter at Narawang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Hode, to catch up with everything that you are doing, where do the people go? Yeah, my website is uh, devilsdigest.com, where the uh, rivals affiliate of Arizona State. And on uh, Twitter slash X, it's uh, at Devil's Digest. The Everything USC podcast is brought to you by Bet Online, which is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with all the up-to-the-minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Football is back. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with Bet Online's real-time updates on statistics, news, and odds. From Week 1 all the way to the college football playoff and Super Bowl, Bet Online gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. USC is back in action after getting last Saturday off and will make its first road trip of the season after playing and winning the first three games at home. The Trojans will be taking on an Arizona State squad that is off to a rough start to begin the 2023 season. The Sun Devils won the first game of the Kenny Dillingham era against Southern Utah, but has dropped the last two games versus Oklahoma State and Fresno State. Dillingham, a 2013 graduate of ASU, became the head coach of his alma mater after being the offensive coordinator at Oregon last season and having previous stops as an OC at Florida State, Auburn, and Memphis. He takes over after Herm Edwards was let go early last season when the Sun Devils ended up 3-9 overall and went 2-7 in Pac-12 play. He's dealing with the school having self-imposed a bull ban for this year as he looks to turn the program around. So, Hode, what's the feeling like in Tempe about Dillingham, who is the youngest head coach in FBS at just 33 years old? Well, look, on the one hand, uh, he definitely was a shot in the arm that this program needed when he was hired last November. I always feel that there's uh, nothing like hiring an alumnus as your head coach when you have like so much turnover happening in, in the coaching ranks when you do hire uh, somebody who graduated from that school when he was somebody who really truly has a different level of passion 
for coaching this specific program than any other candidate out there, then I, I think that's uh, definitely a positive. I mean, not to hearken too much on the uh, on the Herm Edwards era, but obviously it was it was a mitigated disaster, and uh, ASU is in the process of digging itself from a very very deep hole. And when that is the scenario that you're faced, uh, you want somebody that's definitely going to be here for the long haul and not the head coach that you're going to worry about leaving in three, four, five years, even if they unexpectedly do very, very well. So uh, those are some of the factors that really uh, endeared, I think, the fan base to Kenny Dillingham, who was very, very emotional in his uh, in- introductory press conference. And I think uh, when you get just a young, energetic head coach that's a really willing to hit the pavement and work work harder than a lot of a lot of other head coaches out there being really the complete opposite of uh Herm Edwards I think that's uh, definitely a huge positive now uh, I'm sure some fans are maybe a little taken back by the uh one and two record that ASU currently has especially with the last loss the last game I'm sorry being a loss uh shutout loss to a a group five program and this this happening at home and folks uh including myself thought that with uh a home schedule that um, had uh, not uh, six or seven games you usually see, but eight, that ASU would be able to uh, get off to a better start and really display better football. That exactly hasn't happened. I'm not saying the fan base has really soured on Kenny Dillingham, but I guess maybe sometimes when you have a head coach that is so energetic and so optimistic, you think that maybe the turnaround is going to be a smoother process, maybe take a little quicker than people think uh, it is, and that's obviously not the case right now. Kenny Dillingham is uh, preaching patience, and I think the fan base at large is willing to be patient with Kenny Dillingham. And you are definitely right. He is a very energetic personality. Every press conference or meeting with the media seems to show him getting energized about something that they ask him about. So some of the stats about this series, USC leads at all time with 25 wins against 14 losses, although one of those wins is technically vacated. The last game... At the Coliseum last season was a 42-25 Trojans victory. Caleb Williams in that game completed 73% of his passes for 348 yards, had four touchdowns, one of them running, but he did throw his first interception. Actually, it was USC's first turnover of the season in the fifth game of the 2022 season. The last game at Mountain America Stadium, it wasn't called Mountain America Stadium two years ago, a 31-16 Sun Devils victory in 2021. That was the game where Rashad White ran rampant all over the Trojans D. 28 carries, 202 yards, and three touchdowns for White in that one. Looking at this year's squad on the offensive side, there's been a run at quarterbacks I'm going to ask you about. But first, the guy who's presumed to be starting this week, redshirt sophomore quarterback Drew Pine, the Notre Dame transfer. He's going to be the third different starting quarterback for Arizona State already with Jaden Rashada and Trenton Borgay out with injuries. Four-string QB Jacob Conover had to finish last week's 29-0 shutout loss against Fresno State after Borgay and Pine both got hurt in the game. But Pine last season at USC with the Notre Dame Fighting Irish had probably the best game of his career. 23-26 passing, 318 yards, three touchdowns, did throw a pick in that one. So, Hode, why don't you talk us through what is going on with the ASU quarterback situation? Yeah, like you said, uh, pretty much is a novel, uh, even though we're only three games uh, into the season. So uh, let's let's start with Jaden Rashad, uh, the, the true freshman uh, four-star prospect. 
he's uh, somebody who really was one of the biggest catalysts of that excitement in the offseason that, that, that Kenny Dillingham provided. Not only uh, the best uh, quarterback in the market in the 2023 class when he did sign with Arizona State, but he's also Sun Devil Legacy. His father, Harlan Rashada, was a defensive back in the 1996 Rose Bowl team for the Sun Devils. So uh, it, it definitely was a, a great story through and through. And a lot of folks thought that just like with the program itself needing the patience to turn around, that Jenna Rashada is a quarterback for the future. Nobody expected him to uh, play much as a true freshman, let alone start. But uh, sure enough, Kennedy Dillingham thought midway through fall camp that Jenna Rashada was going to be the quarterback to lead this offense. And um, the first uh, two games that he played were really the classic example of a bag of mixed goods because he would have a pretty solid first half followed by a very paltry uh, second half. And that happened against Southern Utah and happened against the, you know, Fresno State. So I don't know if really fans, you know, knew if this is a quarterback that they really could get be excited about or just figured like he's uh, ultimately a true freshman quarterback and you're going to take the lumps with him. You're going to have the uh, growing pains be exhibited right in front of your eyes. And that's why uh, you have the uh, sharp contrast in, in his performances. So it was uh, reported um, after the uh, Fresno State game that uh, he was uh, injured, re-aggravated re- injury that he had uh, in high school, and it was going to be uh, out for uh, up to six weeks. So uh, no matter when he comes back, I think that the coach and staff, for natural reasons, are going to redshirt him, which means he cannot play in more than two games uh, l- later on this season. So. We definitely saw some sparks. We definitely saw some positive signs. But like I said, the decline in the play in the second half really was, uh, you know, worrisome on the one hand, but maybe understandable on the other hand, because he is uh, a newcomer. And I think a newcomer, a quarterback, has to be the toughest position to really be a newcomer. Then uh, returning starter Trent Bourget was uh, going to rotate with Drew Pine, the the Notre Dame transfer, in the game against Fresno State. and. you talk about that uh, bag of mixed goods. That's what happened with Trent Bourget, who I think on his second pass was intercepted. Then in the next series that he played, completed uh, five consecutive passes before um, he got injured and did not return to the game. So showed some flashes and maybe more flashes than any other quarterback that played against uh, Fresno State. But now with his injury and he could be out a, a good um, additional week or week or two. You know, that's something that I think does hurt the ASU offense at the end of the day because he is a returning starter. He's familiar with a lot of the prime targets for the Sun Devils, like tight end Jalen Conyers and wide receiver Elijah Badger. He did experience some success, albeit limited with them in 2022. So him uh, being sidelined for this game and maybe for the next week or two is not exactly a welcomed announcement, especially with Jaden Rashada already being sidelined too. You know, Drew Pine is uh, someone who I still think that if he was healthy all throughout fall camp may have been the starter rather than Jaden Rashada, because if you read between the lines what Kenny Dillingham was saying about the quarterback battle and how the injury to uh, Drew Pine uh, somewhere in the middle of August uh, really did um, throw his uh, process off kilter in terms of naming naming a starting quarterback, to me that really pointed to uh, Pine uh, being at one point the clubhouse favorite. So uh, Pine comes in against Fresno State and really has a nightmare of a performance, uh, did uh, have not one but four turnovers. You know, ironically, Pine is uh, 
the same Notre Dame uh, quarterback who last year did have uh, perhaps his best one of the best games of his year against USC. So I'm curious to see if that's an element, a dynamic that can play uh, some kind of role, you know, this Saturday night. He really is going to be the starter by default, if you will, just because of the unavailability of both Rashada and Borgay, because I have a hard time believing that the other two quarterbacks or even one of them is healthy, that Pine is uh, going to be the starting quarterback because, again, he really didn't show you much at all against uh, Fresno State. And I guess in his defense, he had a lot of rust to knock off and maybe had to get that one horrible game out of his system that can hopefully, for an ASU fan, uh, set you up for a much better game against USC. So we'll see. And last but not least, uh, Jacob Conover, who really started the season as the uh, four-string quarterback. And to be honest, I mean, didn't show much at all, uh, neither in spring practice nor in fall camp, that he can be a legitimate contender for a starter. And here he finds himself as a backup quarterback, had two interceptions of his own against uh, Fresno State. So, you know, I'm not really expecting much from him, even if if I'm going to compare him to, to Drew Pine, but with um, the crazy soap opera that is the ASU quarterback position, who knows if Jacob Conover doesn't end up playing and playing a lot against USC and maybe even having a performance that would uh, really surprise um, a lot of us. But, you know, for me, just to uh, go on and on about four different quarterbacks already played for Arizona State and having an absolute nightmare, um, you know, of, of an injury list. And, and by the way, Drew Pine, and I don't know if I mentioned this, was actually uh, injured against Fresno State, and that's why Jacob Conover came in and played. But he uh, he was able to heal quickly. So, again, uh, it's just an absolute mess at the quarterback uh, position. I don't know if there's any Power 5 program out there that's experiencing what ASU is experiencing right now. So losing uh, 29 to nothing to a Group 5 uh, program at home, no less, is probably maybe a natural byproduct when you have uh, this much of a uh, – a state of flux at quarterback. Yeah, and a couple of the other skill position guys to look for. If you're a USC fan, the leading rusher, junior running back Cam Scadaboo. He's a transfer from Sacramento State, the 2022 Big Sky Offensive Player of the Year last season. He has 133 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. Also has 51 yards on six catches this season. A couple of receivers. Xavier Guillory leads the team, 12 catches, 140 yards, has a touchdown. He transferred in from Idaho State. And the other redshirt junior wide receiver, Elijah Badger, that you mentioned, nine catches, 125 yards, and a touchdown this season. And then the other big news, really, is that Kenny Dillingham is taking over the play calling from offensive coordinator Bo Baldwin. How much of an effect do you think that's going to have on the offense? Well, look, I mean, I, I talked earlier about, uh, you know, uh, this team needing a shot in the arm. And um, I think that that is something that, you know, if you saw practices this week, you you saw an offense that played uh, with more tempo, played with more urgency. And, you know, Kenny Dillingham, if you look at his track record, as young as he is, he had a lot of success in a lot of different offenses, uh, all the way from from Auburn to, to Oregon. So he's definitely someone that uh, is more than capable of running an offense of uh, of calling plays on game day so i uh, i think that's uh, you know definitely a positive you know i think with arizona state uh, one of the biggest issues they have right now is are the injuries on the offensive line and maybe the only position that can say they're in uh, worse shape health wise than, than than quarterback right now so if that offensive line can somewhat play better than people expect them to just because 
they do have quite a bit of reserves and really not able to develop that cohesiveness that's so important to the front five just because of the turnstile that uh, this unit uh, has been experiencing because of the rash of injuries. This is something that can uh, that can definitely help the offense and maybe really help that much more what uh, what what Ken Dillingham is trying to execute. But uh, overall, I think that uh, Kenny Dillingham, uh, you know, taking over, um, you know, really is a blessing for this offense. I know that the, you know as much as we talk about the USC offense being an absolute nightmare to face, I don't think that any offensive coordinator is licking their chops to face the USC defense. They have played very very well uh, so far in this young season. So. It might be uh, unfair maybe to fully uh, judge how well Ken, a Kenny Dillingham-led offense can look uh, this uh, this Saturday, but maybe this is really an investment for the future, just like a lot of things are when it comes to Dillingham and uh, this offense uh, under his guidance, uh, under his increased involvement can really turn the page because uh, it has definitely been um, beyond a uh, struggle for the Sun Devils on this side of the ball. Let's go to the other side of the ball on the defensive side. Junior defensive end B.J. Green, 10 tackles, 4 for loss, 2 of them sacks, and 5 quarterback hurries to lead the team in tackles for loss and QB hurries this season. Another D.N. Prince Dorba has 14 tackles, 2.5 sacks, 2 QB hurries. He's transferred to ASU from Texas. In the defensive backfield, senior safety Chris Edmonds leads the team with 21 tackles. Redshirt junior cornerback Roe Torrance has 11 tackles and two sacks this season. And last season in coverage, he only allowed 20 catches, which was the lowest in the Pac-12 by any corner who had at least 300 snaps played in coverage. And then another notable name, the nickelback Jordan Clark, who's got 16 tackles and three pass breakups in 2023. He's the son of the former NFL safety and ESPN analyst Ryan Clark. but so far this season, Hode, ASU no takeaways while they've committed nine turnovers. So even though defense has played okay, they just haven't gotten the ball. And so does this Sun Devils defense have any hope of containing the offense of the fifth-ranked Trojans? Well, look, honestly, even if the defense had uh, better numbers in the, in the turnover department, <laughs> I would say that trying to contain Caleb Williams in an absolute arsenal of explosive skilled players is going to be an extremely, extremely high task. I, I mean, I know that ASU still has to face Washington and Oregon uh, later on this year, but I still feel when it comes to offensive capabilities that USC is definitely in a league of its own. When it comes to the defense, I know that uh, you look at a one and two record and you think, okay, the defense is, is a pretty big culprit of that. And that honestly is less of a case. I mean, you just take the game against Fresno State being shut out 29-0. You know, ironically, the, the only two touchdowns that the Bulldogs scored were in the opening drive of the game and the opening drive of the second half. Otherwise, they had, they had to set off with five field goals. And that, keep in mind, is taking place when the ASU offense turns the ball not one, not three, but eight times, giving their opponent one short field after another after another. And still, this ASU defense has played uh, pretty well under those Really, really harsh circumstances, not getting obviously any support whatsoever from them. And even if you go back to the second half of the Oklahoma State game, uh, ASU did not score any points in the second half. So, yes, that's six consecutive quarters without uh, scoring even one point, not even special teams. And this defense is still right now, after three games, ranked number 34 in total defense nationally. So, there is 
definitely plenty of talent on this side of the ball. They're definitely, you know, playmakers when it comes to uh, generating sacks, to tackles for loss, and just really uh, disrupting the opponent. I think that in in some regards, they're getting a unfair rap for not being able to generate any turnovers uh, in three games. But you just have to also keep in mind that they're facing offenses that uh, really take care, take care uh, of the ball, offenses that uh, because the ASU offense really hasn't been that much of a menace or a threat, uh, can really play it safe. They don't have to try a little too hard to generate explosive plays because those are scenarios that definitely increase the probability of a defense getting a turnover. I also think the defense itself, not that it's going through the learning curve that the offense is, and they are um, healthier, and that helps that battle as well. But I think it's still an offense uh, under first-year defensive coordinator Brian Ward, who had uh, great success at Washington State in 2022. He's uh, employing a scheme that I think the defense feels comfortable with, but definitely uh, don't feel as comfortable as uh, they would uh, you know, probably in week six, week nine, week 12. And I think that's also something that's really holding them back as far as generating turnovers. So um, really, I think um, on, on a lot of other aspects, this defense is uh, clicking on all cylinders, playing really, really well. You know, just like we talked about, kind of unfair to judge a Kenny Dillingham-led offense against USC, how much improvement they made from last week. I don't know if it's going to be really fair to judge Ryan Ward and his group and how well they're playing when you play one of the best offenses, maybe the best offense in, in all of college football. But I know that Brian Ward, uh, you know, definitely has a plan that he believes it's going to work against USC. He knows it's not going to shut him out. I mean, USC is an offense that can just roll out of bed out of game day five minutes before kickoff and put 30 points on the board. But uh, in terms of containing, in terms of really uh, minimizing, um, you know, the, the, their explosive plays, I think that Brian Ward just may have you know, some solutions, maybe not all the solutions, but maybe some solutions. And I'm really curious to see how he does uh, come out against USC. You know, maybe the bye week really uh, helps the offense uh, to have that extra preparation against uh, defense, which, again, under the circumstances, have played very well. The other phase of the game, special teams, an interesting thing to note because ASU's punter last year, Eddie Chapliski, is now USC's punter. So grad transfer Josh Carlson came in and is taken over there, but Zachariah Branch, the true freshman for USC, the Pac-12 Special Teams Player of the Week two weeks ago, already has a kickoff return and punt return for touchdowns in the first three games of his college career. Are the Sun Devils even going to kick it his way, Hode? <laughs> well, I, I hope they don't. I think there's an, enough film to, to show you that uh, that would be a grave mistake. But uh, when it when it comes to uh, you know ASU special teams, uh, first of all, you mentioned Eddie Totiski, and uh, I think that uh, that's going to hurt uh, just as much for ASU fans to see him at Sun Devil Stadium in the opponent's uniform as much as it would hurt them to see linebacker Eric Gentry. And uh, obviously, Totiski left huge shoes to fill, as you know. The reason USC went uh, so hard after him is because he was the leading punter in the Pac-12 last year. I mean, you know, with an anemic offense in 2022, uh, he definitely had a lot of opportunities uh, to uh, strut his skills for the Sun Devils last year. But nonetheless, that was definitely a, a big loss for ASU. Josh Carlson uh, really struggled uh, quite a bit in the first two games. In the third game uh, against Fresno State last weekend, he was finally able to bring his average for above 40 yards. He even had, um, you know, one punt where I guess it was just a little overcautious and that, that probably made his average, you know, drop below 45 yards. But at least 
we finally see sunlight at the end of the tunnel as far as Josh Carlson in terms of being a punter. And uh, again, we're talking about an ASU offense that could struggle quite a bit against USC. So it's really imperative that Josh Carlson does a much better job flipping the field than he has in the first uh, two games. And again, he showed some promise against Fresno State that he is uh, is capable of doing that. Dari Longhetto, the field goal kicker, just because of the ineptitude of the offense, really hasn't had um, many chances, especially in the last six quarters, to go out there and prove what he could do. But he, he definitely is a good field goal kicker, somebody I think the team does have confidence in. You know, in terms of the return game, uh, ASU wasn't able to do much, but just to mention who the players are going to be over there at kick return, uh, we'll see uh, starting wide receiver Elijah Badger, who has, has done pretty well uh, with the opportunities that that he has been presented in the first uh, three games. At um, at punt return, we're going to see uh, Melquan Stahlville, a uh, wide receiver who also is a starter. He's a transfer from uh, from Colorado State, hasn't been given a whole lot of opportunity to uh, display his skills uh, in that department, but uh, somebody that, you know, maybe uh, if presented the opportunity could break up or could make a nice return. But uh, there's no doubt in mind that uh, not only ASU, but I think every team in the Pac-12 uh, cannot even uh, hold a candle to such a, a skilled, explosive, dangerous returner like like Zachariah Branch. You know, he's one he's one player that maybe on the down low, uh, ASU fans are, are really uh, <laughs> looking forward to seeing, even though they know that that probably is going to result in a lot of uh, unpleasant uh, plays uh, for the Sun Devils every time he touches the ball, whether it's on offense or special teams. So let's get right to it, Hode. It's time for the predictions segment. So far this season, I'm doing pretty well against the first three guests of the year, Derek Deese, Brian Jones, and Spencer Tillman. I went 6-0-1 in the picks. So we always begin with the players we believe in, who's going to be the top Trojan in the game. But this season, of course, the Heisman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams, not eligible to be picked. It's too easy a pick. He can't be picked. So I'm going to go with a guy who's very familiar with playing Arizona State. The wide receiver, Dorian Singer, the Arizona transfer. I think he's going to see that Sun Devil uniform and get fired up for USC and have his best game as a Trojan. So Dorian Singer is the player I believe in. Hode, who do you think is going to perform the best for the Trojans in this game? Well, if I babble this much about Zachariah Branch, I'm I'm also pick him, right? Um, When you just look at a player that, uh, on the one hand, if we look at just pure yards, whether it's return yards, whether it's rushing or receiving, uh, Devin doesn't have anything eye-popping whatsoever, but the fact that he already has four touchdowns in three games, and it's spread out over a um, receiving touchdown, a, a kick return for touchdown, and a punt return for touchdown, that just shows you that uh, he's an absolute electric player anytime the ball does fall in his hands. And to go back to your earlier point, I really hope that ASU, whether it's punting or kicking off, are are just going to have that ball as far away as possible from uh, from the reaching arms of Zachariah Branch because uh, he has more than proven in this very young 2023 20, season that uh, you do not want to tempt faith and have him return a kick or, or, or return a punt. You know, from the outside looking in, I think that if uh, USC fans were looking for a player that was going to be as explosive, as dangerous as Reggie Bush back in the day, uh, things like Zachariah Branch may be the closest player to have that title or have that comparison uh, attached to him. So again, like I said, uh, ASU fans uh, know that Zachariah Branch is going to put on a show and maybe they're coming to coming to see a show, even though they know it's going to result in uh, bad news for Arizona State. But so far, I think it's uh, hard not to be impressed with Zachariah Branch. Um, 
an absolute load. And to think this guy's a true freshman, that's a scary proposition. And maybe the good news is that uh, maybe the Big Ten, rather than uh, the Pac-12 or what's left of it, <laughs> is going to have to worry about that in the next couple of years. So the players we believe in, I'm going with Dorian Singer, while Hogue takes Zachariah Branch. And now, game score and winner. I'm going to let you go first. I should mention that our sponsor, Bet Online, currently has the spread as USC 34 and a half point favorite on the road as we record this on a Thursday evening, which is an almost unheard of amount to be favored on the road. So, Hode, what do you think it's going to be? Yeah, I, I think it's also an unheard uh, line for ASC to be an underdog at home. I mean, it, it really has to if not break the all-time record, which I'm pretty confident it does, um, I think would is easily there in the top two, top three underdog la- lines at home. I'm not saying it's going to be a moral victory for for Arizona State to cover, but I think it's something that, you know, might put a little a little bit of a wry smile on, on the ASU fans if that did take place. USC coming off a bye week and just really being on autopilot in the first three games, uh, you wonder if that bye week is going to have some effect, not so much if they're going to win or lose, because I definitely think they're going to win this game, but maybe uh, the start would be just a, a little, a little slower, uh, you know, than expected. You know, as I mentioned earlier, I think the ASU defense to some extent, and I'm putting that in bold and italic and in any other, um, you know, manner that I can put it in, could perhaps slow down the UC offense to, to some extent. And maybe the ASU offense, you know, with Drew Pine, who played against uh, USC, maybe with the unit that does get back, by the way, uh, tight end Jalen Conyers from injury. Uh, maybe they're just uh, sick and tired of looking as bad as they have been in the last game and a half and are ready just to get over the hump and show some positives out there. So with all those factors in mind, um, I'm picking USC to win the game 45 to 20. All right, so 45-20, a 25-point spread is what Hode is picking. I think SC is going to cover. I think it's 55-17. That was the score I picked in week one, actually, and they came close. So I think 55-17 Trojans is how it's going to go. But either way, it's probably going to be a big spread. Whether it reaches the 34-and-a-half or not, we shall see. And then... The prop bet portion, Nara's no doubter for this one is, I'm going to go defensive. I think USC will have at least three sacks of ASU quarterbacks in this game. So Nara's no doubter, USC will have three plus sacks. Hode, what are you calling your pick this year and what's it going to be? In terms, in terms of a proposition pick, I think that, uh, that ASU uh, will get its first turnover on defense, and um, I, know, I know Cal Williams is uh, really, really hard to pick off. So I would say a uh, a fumble recovered by by the ASU defense, only one, but uh, definitely uh, something that this defense is capable of and is definitely due for one. So getting off the snide in that department and uh, having uh, one uh, fumble uh, recovered. All right, so that's your pick. Is that ASU is getting its first takeaway with a fumble recovery, but. Are you calling it Hode Hedges like you did last year, or you got a new name for it? No, I think uh, Hode Hedges is fine. I mean, this is uh, the last podcast I'm going to do with any uh, USC beat writer for a while, probably. So uh, let's uh, just uh, not upset the apple cart over here and and just go uh, with the Hode Hedges. That works. So to recap our predictions for the USC-ASU game on Saturday night, 
That's going to be a 7.30 p.m. Pacific start, by the way, broadcasted on Fox TV, and you can listen to it on the USC Radio Network flagship station, 7.90 a.m. And I'm picking as the player I believe in, Dorian Singer, Hode Rubino taking Zachariah Branch. Game score, I've got it 55-17 USC, Hode goes 45-20 Trojans with ASU covering the spread. And then our prop bets, Nara's no-doubter is that the USC defense will have at least three sacks, while Hode says the ASU defense picks up its first takeaway of the season with a fumble recovery. And of course, this is the Everything USC podcast. I'm Nara Wang. My guest today is the publisher of the Devil's Digest website, Hode Rabino. And if you want to catch this show, just go to wherever you get your favorite podcasts and subscribe, download, and rate it, or go to our website, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media, at Believe Network. For me, I am on X or Twitter or whatever you want to call it, at Narawang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Hode, where can the people catch up with what you are doing? Sure. Our website is uh, devilsdigest.com. We're the Arizona State affiliate of uh, rivals.com. And on Twitter slash X, uh, you can uh, catch me at Devil's Digest. This is Rashawn Haylock, co-host of the Believe in 49ers podcast. And you're listening to the Everything USC pod with Nara Wayne on Believe. And finally, we are going to talk about in the final segment, like I have been doing with all of my guests, the big topic in college football, conference realignment. It has hit the Pac-12. Last year, we talked about USC moving to the Big Ten. And now, Arizona State's going to be moving as well with Utah, Arizona, and Colorado to the Big 12 next season. And Cal and Stanford are going to the ACC right now. You've got Oregon State and Washington State playing each other this weekend in the Pac-2 matchup. Hode, how shocking is the collapse of the Pac-12 in such a short amount of time? Well, look, I mean, I don't know if it's really all, all that shocking because, um, you know, I'm sure USC fans, as much like ASU fans, were absolutely disgusted with the ineptitude of uh, former commissioner uh, Larry Scott. He gave George uh, Kilikoff just an absolute um, impossible situation uh, to fix. And I know that, you know, some folks will say, well, ultimately, the two LA schools went to the Big Ten under his watch and not under Larry Scott's watch. And and while that, um, you know, may be correct factually, uh, there's no doubt that uh, Larry Scott more than made the ground fertile uh, for that uh, move to take place. So it uh, really has been, you know, just an unmitigated disaster that was that was experienced by Larry Scott. So this Pac-12 uh, conference has just mishandled, um, you know, the TV rights deal, you know, first and foremost. But even uh, just uh, not, not being able to fix uh, it, its uh, officiating problem, both in football and basketball, for that matter, is just a conference that was not run properly, was not even run close to a level that a Power Five conference has to be uh, run at. So really, just for the well-documented uh, mishaps over really a, a decade plus, I think it was really inevitable that this conference was not going to stay together. Obviously, the L.A. schools were uh, the ones to uh, engage in the, in the first firing shot but uh, I think that the other conference members that did have options, which, you know, Oregon State and Washington State, unfortunately for them, are not part of that group, definitely knew that, that they, they had to bail out because uh, 
this was really akin to the uh, Titanic ship if you want to, if we're going to stay at this Pac-12 conference. Oregon and Washington will be joining the LA schools in the Big Ten. So how do you feel about the Sun Devils moving to the Big 12 along with their in-state partner, Arizona, and the Mountain Schools, Utah and Colorado? Yeah, I mean, um, I think just the fact that you mentioned uh, having uh, three uh, ge- geographic uh, rivals, which uh, would make um, you know travel much easier to road games, which would make, I guess, the interest you know, uh, you know, pretty uh, high to begin with. Um, I think uh, that's uh, that's definitely a positive. You know, ASU has played um, you know quite a few Big Twelve programs, both in uh, football and basketball, in, in recent years, and geographically. When you look at the distances that uh, ASU, in particular, would have to uh, engage for road games, uh, you know, for, for the state of Texas, the state of Kansas, and you compare that to uh, Northwest trips to the state states of Oregon and Washington, miles wise, there really is uh, not that much of a difference at all. Now, granted, you have the outliers of uh, you know Cincinnati, Central Florida, and Orlando, and West Virginia in uh, Morgantown, but uh, I'm sure that the schedule makers especially in you know in football and basketball are uh, going to make uh, those schedules as travel friendly so um you know ASU and West Virginia aren't meeting every year you know maybe at the worst case scenario like every, every other year so that's something that can can be mitigated but yeah i think if ASU did have to join a power 5 uh, conference uh, for them the big 12 really was uh, the best answer you know basketball wise it's going to be a challenge but uh, I think it's going to force the program really to uh, to elevate, you know, at a higher level than, than it currently is, even though the team, you know, in all fairness, is coming off a, a 23-1 season. But uh, really just uh, maintain that standard year in and year out. Uh, the Big 12 is really going to force your hand more than the Pac-12 to reach that standard. And in football, I, you know, I think that they're going into a conference where you don't have a uh, clear blue blood uh, like you would have in uh, the Big Ten, for example, with Ohio State and, and Michigan. So uh, this is something that maybe can help the um, ASU uh, football program to continue and develop. I mean, as we talked earlier in the podcast, you know, Kenny Dillingham just really building this program up again, brick by brick. I say, I think in terms of a power five conference that makes it a quote unquote comfortable environment to do that, uh, the Big 12 is uh, something that uh, may be more conducive than the Big Ten, let alone the SEC, for that matter. In the end, is all of this a positive development for college football or college sports as a whole, or do you think it's still going to evolve even more in the coming years? I don't know if it's a positive development. I just think that the Pac-12, on the one hand, has made their bed, and that's putting it kindly to create the, the, the situation. And I also feel that, look, I mean, if, if schools are uh, wanting media rights deals that are going to be, you know, $40, 50000000 million a year, then they should just come to grips to the fact, come uh, to accepting, I'm sorry, the fact that uh, the, the, the media giants uh, as ESPN and Fox are, are the ones that are going to be calling the shots. You're not going to get uh, $40, 50000000 million a year in media rights if ESPN and Fox's uh, influence is uh, minimal compared to what it is right now. So that's just really that's really the nature of the business. So I wouldn't call it a positive development. I think it's a positive that ASU is out of the Pac-12, and again, that geographic uh, geographically wise, they are now uh, part of uh, the Big 12 uh, conference starting in the summer of next year. I think I think that's a positive. But from a macro level, no, I don't think that uh, 
all this uh, conference realignment is uh, something that, you know, you uh, could really uh, call a positive for college sports, especially college football and basketball in particular. I don't know if it's really going to enhance the level overall. It's just going to make uh, traveling, you know, somewhat challenging, you know, and as challenging as it is for the LA schools to go to Big Ten country. Now think about Stanford and Cal being uh, being part of ACC country, where pretty much every trip uh, is guaranteed guaranteed to travel off uh, three time zones. So um, yeah, I know I know if it's a positive overall, but if I'm just looking at the uh, micro aspect of this for ASU move to Big 12, yes, that that was a positive. And of course, it's just ironic that the Pac-12 football season is off to such a great start and maybe going to have one of its best years ever as a conference as it is breaking up. But Hode Rubino, thank you so much for joining me again on the Everything USC podcast. Always great to get your perspective. Thank you so much for having me, Nara. For my guest, Hode Rubino of Devil's Digest, I'm Nara Wang. Thanks for joining us for episode 86 of the Everything USC podcast presented by Bet Online. Unbelieve, the place to find a sports or pop culture show for passionate fan bases across multiple platforms. This is Believe, every team, every topic, everywhere. And as always, I end every show by reminding all of you to fight on. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.